Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that we can trust you. And Father, as we are obedient to your word, Father, we know that you will bless us, Father, strengthen us, and we will be fulfilling your perfect will. Now speak to our hearts, we pray, as we open your living word again. And we'll thank you for it as we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you'll take your Bibles with me, let's turn to the book of Philemon. The book of Philemon, and we are going to conclude our mini-series in this little letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to this man, Philemon. And again, this, this letter was not full of all kinds of you know, great doctrinal topics. and uh, it, it was a personal letter from Paul's heart to this Christian man uh, in, here in Colossae who was a, uh, a leader in the church. Uh, he was a well-to-do citizen, as you recall, and the church, as you, as you remember us finding out, the church was held in his home, in his home. So no doubt he was one of the leaders of the church. But again, as just a quick refresher, uh, he had a slave named Onesimus who escaped. And um, from what we will read tonight, at the end of the letter, uh, it seems that he may have stolen some money as well uh, from his master, Philemon. He ended up in Rome, and all the way there in Rome, God, in his providence, led him to the Apostle Paul. How, we don't know. But we know that he was saved uh, through the Apostle Paul's ministry, and this was while Paul was in jail. Now, he was in a... Uh, it, it, it was... Uh, house uh, bound but there they they watched over him but he could have visitors go in and out and this this young slave was was saved by the grace of God and then became a, a close companion and a helper to uh, brother Paul the apostle Paul and so now that this slave has become a Christian he's a brother in Christ and that's what Paul is trying to express as he sends Onesimus back home to his master, Philemon, and he sends him with this letter. And he says, would you please understand there's been a change in his life. And would you receive him back uh, as a brother in Christ? And again, this whole letter, if we were to sum it up in one word as we, we discussed before, it's the word forgiveness. This is really all about forgiveness. It's, it's, it, it reminds us of how important forgiveness is in each one of our lives. That as we go uh, on day by day, there are those people, circumstances that will cause us harm from someone else. It may be their words, it may be their actions, but something that maybe something someone did to us and, and, and we can't forgive them. We harbor bitterness and resentment. And, and, uh, and that, that just makes us miserable. And God really can't use us the way he wants to if we're carrying that unforgiveness in our heart. So we come to the rest of this letter. And we're going to look at verses 17 through 25 now as we conclude here. 17 through 25. But let's begin at verse 17. So Paul continues to write concerning Onesimus, 
He writes to Philemon, verse 17, If then you regard me a partner, accept me, I'm sorry, accept him as you would me. Accept him as you would me. Now, Paul really is putting Philemon on the spot here. Basically saying, Philemon, how much do you love me? If you love me, and if I were to come to visit you, how would you receive me? Well, the way you would receive me, I want you to receive Onesimus the same way. Regard, as you regard me, so accept him. That word partner there, if then you regard me a partner, the Greek word for that is koinonin, and the root word is koinia. And of course, most of us know what that word means. It means the fellowship of the brethren. And so he says, says to Philemon here, you regard me as a, as a brother as in fellowship, as one who we've been, we've been in close fellowship. And if you would regard me that way, I want you to accept him the same way, this slave. And no doubt that that the, uh, the mind of Philemon is swirling. He's trying to figure out, I, how am I going to forgive this guy who did me wrong and, and took off? And again, we discussed the ramifications, the discipline that is, is usually given to a runaway slave. Most of them, many of them are executed and hung on a cross or crucified. But here... Paul wants to send him back, and he wants him. Just look back at verse 16 for a second, because look at here again what Paul had said concerning Onesimus. No longer as a slave. Don't consider him a slave anymore, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord? Paul is saying, things have changed. You know, as I think of, Linda, your testimony, how the transformation took place in your life, you weren't the same person anymore. You became a child of God, and you were received by Christ, and you were forgiven all your sins, and therefore you became a child of God, and you entered the family of God, and you have the brothers and sisters in Christ who, who all of a sudden, that's, uh, you shared how, that, um, uh, that ha- how much that has meant to you, the love of the brethren and, and the closeness and the fellowship that you've experienced in the body of Christ. And now Paul is saying to Philemon, he's saying, we have a new brother in the family, basically. New brother, and I want you to receive him just as you would me. Then we go down to verse 18. Paul then says, But if he has wronged you in any way, or owes you anything, or owes you anything, and there's where we believe he may have taken some money from Philemon, stole some money. If he has wronged you in any way, or owes you anything, here's a key statement by Paul. Charge that to my account. Charge that 
to my account. In the Greek, that is a account, accounting term. Uh, charge it, you know. Uh, and uh, um, I know uh, some of you women probably use that word a lot when you go into a store. And you decide that you're going to buy something and tell them, to, yep, charge it. If you're going to put it on a charge, put it to my account. Paul is saying to Philemon here, he's saying, whatever wrongs this slave has done, it doesn't matter. Put it on my account. Put it on my account. Charge it to me. Look at verse 19. I, Paul, am writing this from my own hand. Again, he's showing how usually Paul used a scribe, someone to help him who wrote for him. But Paul's saying, this is from my own hand, and I am writing to you, I will repay it, lest I should mention to you that you owe to me even your own self as well. (laughs) Paul adds, adds that in there saying that, uh, by the way, just so you remember, Philemon, you owe me. Now, we think, well, how, how does Philemon owe Paul? Well, Paul's talking about what he owes him spiritually. Because remember, Philemon was saved under Paul's ministry. And Paul brought the gospel to him. And so he's reminding him of that. He's saying, you are uh, have come to Christ because of, of my input in your life. So, uh, so just as you owe, may owe me spiritually, I want you to do, take whatever, whatever Onesimus owes you and apply it to my account. And he says, I will repay it. I will repay it. What does this bring to your mind when you see this phrase charge that to my account the other the greek word many times translated in english for this is to impute and it's imputed unto me and that of course takes me right to the redemption of my soul through the lord jesus christ and what he did for me turn to colossians chapter 2 with me let's go to colossians 2.13. Tremendous passage. Colossians 2.13. <clears throat> and here the Apostle Paul writes to the church. And, and this letter here, <clears throat> this letter took the Colossians. Philemon would have been there when this letter arrived. Philemon would have read this in his church. And what does Paul say to that, that church in Colossae, of which Philemon was part of? Let's pick it up at verse 13. And when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he, God, made you alive together with him, having forgiven Some of our transgressions. Is that what you have in your Bible, son? No. Having forgiven all our transgressions. All our transgressions. He has forgiven them all. And then verse 14. 
having canceled out, or if you have a King James Version, it says blotted out, blotting out the certificate of death, consisting of decrees against us, and which was hostile to us, and he has taking it he has taken it out of the way having nailed it to the cross paul is bringing to the church here this picture saying i want you to understand something that you were dead you were a condemned criminal each one of us were a condemned criminal because of our sin we were headed for hell nothing could save us Unless someone stepped in and said, I will take your punishment for your sin. And of course, we know that's what the Lord Jesus did. When it says, when Paul says here, having canceled out the certificate of death, blotting it out, consisting of the degrees against us, what they used to do with the the prisoners, the criminals, in Rome, when they would crucify them, they would put a, uh, a sign, a plaque. They would nail it over their cross. And on that plaque, if you were walking by and there was, you know, criminal after criminal being crucified, you'd be able to stand there and look up and you would be able to read their crimes that they committed. And this would tell the people who were looking up wondering why is this man being killed or crucified why is he being punished and there would be the decrees against him it's like going into court and suddenly you go into court and the charges are, are are read against you and you are found guilty but it's interesting that uh jesus had a plaque on top of his cross do you remember what it said king of the Jews. Not, I claim to be king of the Jews, but he is king of the Jews. That was his crime to the Jews. The Jews were saying, he's claiming to be the king of the Jews, and for that we are crucifying him. But you know there was an unseen certificate or plaque nailed on on Jesus' cross, and you know what that was? It was every sin that I committed, every sin that you committed or ever would commit, past, present, and future. It was written on that plaque, and it was nailed to Jesus' cross. Instead of my cross, where I should have died and been crucified for my own sin and been lost for all eternity and died for my own crimes, Jesus took it. And on his own cross, nailed it there so that, in essence, this is exactly what Paul was saying to Philemon. He's saying, I want you to take Onesimus' crimes, charge it to me. And so the Lord Jesus did. For you, for me. He stepped in out of heaven onto this planet earth full of iniquity and sin and wickedness. And he said, I will take your place. I will die in your place and I will die for your crimes, your sins, that you may go free. Beautiful picture of that, of course, is when the uh, 
people were given a choice to choose someone to be freed. Uh, Just to appease the people, Rome would allow one prisoner to go free during the Passover, time of the Passover. And of course, there was one criminal who was a zealot named Barabbas. And he was the one that when they, they, the people were, set, they, they were offered, who do you want set free? This Jesus? Or do you want us to let Barabbas go? And people shouted, we want Barabbas. We want Barabbas. And so Jesus is a picture, uh, again, of taking Barabbas' place. He took his place physically so that Barabbas was set free. Jesus died on that cross where Barabbas would have died. And so it is for us. Oh, that we might be thankful tonight for the transgressions that were nailed, my transgressions nailed to his cross. Nailed to his cross. And because of that, God is able to forgive you and forgive me. To forgive us our sins. Turn back with me to Philippians. I'm sorry, to Philemon again. Turn back to Philemon here. As Paul then goes on in verse 20. He says, yes, brother, let me benefit from you in the Lord. I love this. Refresh my heart. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you since I know that you will do even more than I say. Well, if Philemon wasn't feeling guilty yet, he was now when he reached this point of the letter. Because Paul said, let me benefit from your from what you are about to do, from you are going to do. Refresh my heart in Christ by forgiving Onesimus. This is what you will do to me. You will refresh my heart in Christ. And I will benefit from you, from your forgiveness for this man. And I have confidence, he says in verse 21, confidence in your obedience. And I write to you that I know that you will do even more than I say. How could Philemon refuse forgiveness at this point? Forgiveness is a difficult thing. We all have to deal with it. Turn to 1 Samuel 24 with me, if you would. 1 Samuel 24. Here's the account of David as he was running from Saul. And David had every right to defend himself. And he had an opportunity, as you recall here, to take Saul's life. David had been chasing him down, tried to kill him numerous times. And finally, David was cornered in a cave, though Saul didn't know he was in there. Look at verse 1. Now it came about when Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines. He was told, saying, Behold, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. So Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and went to seek David and his men in front of the rocks of the wild goats. 
And he came to the sheepfolds on the way where there was a cave. And Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the inner recesses of the cave. There are, I don't know how many of you have been to Israel, but uh, I had the, the privilege over the years of, of going a few times. And, and I went to En Gedi. And, uh, and I, I remember looking for one of these big caves, wondering, could that be the one that David was in, hiding? And it's a beautiful location. It's got waterfall and everything else. This like an oasis in the middle of the wilderness, middle of the desert. But here David is in this cave, and Saul comes in. Talk about God setting things up. But here was also a test, a test. And remember, I called the title of this this series. Philemon's fire. Philemon's fire. Because he was put to a test. Once Paul wrote this letter, are you going to forgive or are you not? And you know, when we are put in a place where, where we, are, we have every right to lash out at someone else or to, or to not forgive, you know, and, and what they've done to us, we have every right to do that we can we can stay that way and and we can uh try and get revenge or we we can say i there's no way i will ever forgive them but here david was tested philemon was tested are you going to forgive this man this slave when i when he sent back to you so david is tested and of course god uh, allows the test to be set up, right? And then we come, verse 4, And the men of David said to him, Behold, this is the day which the Lord said to you, Behold, I am about to give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it seems good to you. Well, what would be good to him? Well, why don't I just kill him, and then I will be on the throne... And I will be rid of this man who is, who is out to kill me. Then David rose, verse, end of verse 4, and cut off the edge of, robes, uh, of Saul's robe secretly. He snuck over, cut off his robe secretly. I don't know how he ever did this, but he did it. He was able to do it. Notice he didn't put the knife in Saul's back. He cut off his the the part of his robe verse 5 and it came about afterward that david's conscience bothered him because he had cut off the edge of saul's robe that that i mean he didn't hurt saul but he he was so convicted by the holy spirit just that he did that to saul taking an edge of his robe because he was going to prove that he could have taken his life verse 6 so he said to his men Far be it from me because of the Lord that I should do this thing to my Lord, small l, speaking of Saul, the Lord's anointed, to stretch my hand against him since he is the Lord's anointed. And David persuaded his men with these words and did not allow them to rise up against Saul 
And so Saul arose, left the cave, and went on his way. David even had to convince his men, leave him alone. Let him go. And he's telling his men, this is God's anointed. God chose this man, and I will not touch him and try and defend myself or get even. Here is a point of forgiveness in David's life. He was given an opportunity to get revenge. And what did he do? He said, this, is, this man belongs to the Lord. He, I, I have no right to, to take things into my own hands. And this, David was put to the test and he passed it. Philemon, though we don't know the end result, but I'm sure he passed the test so that when Onesimus came back, he was accepted as a brother in Christ. And you and I, dear friends, you never know when that day is coming where, again, we will be put to the test. Were you willing to forgive those who hurt you and despitefully used you? Those who did wrong against you, are you willing to forgive? Turn back, if you will then, there's a perfect example. Turn back to Philemon and uh, we'll look at the rest of this, these verses here in conclusion. The, rest of the last four verses, he's basically wrapping up his letter. <clears throat> and at the same time also, he wrote to him, Prepare me a lodging, for I hope that through your prayers I shall be given to you. I hope to come to you sometime soon. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, greets you. By the way, Epaphras was one of the founders of the church at, <clears throat> at Colossae. And as do Mark and Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow workers. These are all fellow workers of Paul serving the Lord. And then he concludes with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you in spirit. Be with you in spirit. Paul sends his letter off, and now comes the test. And tonight, maybe the Lord has brought you to a place of testing. And there are those times where I I can put it out of my mind. I remember years ago, my father... uh, had a man who would not forgive him for something. Now, uh, my mother, my mother's dad was, uh, what he did uh, as a part of his ministry, he would, would go back in the days when you would go home to home to sell something. Well, he took what's called the, uh, the, the book of life. It was a series of books on the life of Christ. And so he would go home to home and, and, he would bring it in and see if the family would like to purchase these volumes, you know, and get one each month. Well, he went to this one home in Philadelphia, <clears throat> and, uh, and he was given the reference from my parents who knew this, this couple. And his name was George. And, uh, he, and my grandfather went there, showed them the books, and uh, well, actually, the wife was, he was not home, but it was just the wife, and uh, he, he, was, he was on his way home. But he was showing the woman, they had kids there too, but 
showing the, the books. And she fell in love with the whole set and said, yeah, I, w- I would love to, to buy those. Yes, they would be great for my children and for me and for my husband. So she signed her name and uh, wrote, wrote the uh, deposit check. And so she, she was going to receive the, these books in the mail. Well, he left. Husband comes home. And she tells him with joy, I got this set of books about the life of Christ. And he goes, you what? You're going to pay for that? He wasn't a spiritual man. He claimed to be a Christian. He went to church, but, but he had so much anger in his heart. And he, and he knew my parents for, uh, for the years while they lived in Philadelphia. And, and so he called my dad on the phone. And he ripped into my dad because my dad was the one who kind of connected the family up with uh, my mom's grandfather. So this man, George, was blaming my dad for the whole thing because it was, you know, his father-in-law that, that came to the house and sold it to his wife. Says, I wasn't home. How could you do this? You know, and he was so vengeful and angry that he felt he was con- his wife was conned into it. And, uh, and, and week after week, any time my dad would run into this man, this man would turn red, and he, he, he almost wanted to attack my dad, and then he carried that grudge and that anger with him all the way to the grave. He never got over it, yet my dad had to do something. He called my dad every name you could imagine, and yet my dad shared with me that there was a time that where he, he, had, he knew he had to forgive this man. And he went to his house to try and make things right. Well, the man opened the door. My dad began to apologize and said, I'm sorry, you know, and wanted, and, and, and the door was slammed in his face. But my dad had a choice to make. He was being tested at that point. And he, my dad with the Lord's help, forgave this man all the things that he said about him, the way he was feeling towards him, and forgave him. And my father had peace in his heart. Anytime this man's name would be brought up, my dad wouldn't get upset. My dad wouldn't, wouldn't fly and say, oh, that guy, man, if I ever, you know, I hope he gets his one day. No, my dad said, I've forgiven him. He's... I've given him over to the Lord. That's exactly what David did. That's exactly what Philemon did, or most likely did with Onesimus. And I am put to the test. Is there someone tonight in my life that I have not forgiven? And I have to be honest with God. I have to stand before God. And God will hold me accountable Yes, he'll take care of my, those who have done harm to me. But God holds me accountable for my own attitudes, my own unforgiveness. And what did Jesus say? If you won't forgive, my Father won't forgive you either. 
There is the test. May the Lord give us the spirit of forgiveness tonight so that we go into this, this night, we can lay our head back on the pillow, and we can sleep in peace because we've given it to the Lord and given that person to the Lord and whatever they did, we have, as it were, taken their certificate of crimes against us and nailed it to Jesus' cross. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for showing us, Father, what it means to forgive. Father, help each one of us, Lord, in our own personal lives, in coming to a place of forgiving those who have trespassed against us. And Lord, we know that, Father, you will give us joy and peace, and you will bless us as we forgive those who sinned against us. And Father, thank you, Lord, that this can be done by the power of your Holy Spirit in us. For we must remember that forgiveness is a choice. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.